If a concept or a person or a situation makes my stomach clench, try not to do it because to intellectualize things, I can like talk my way into anything. I can talk my way into dating the worst person in the world, mm -hmm. taking a shitty job. You can intellectualize anything into making sense, like rationally, but your body is trying to tell you like, get the fuck out of here. Okay, hi. We're back with part two of my conversation with my friend, my hairstylist, Ryan Vassetti. She's one of my favorite people to talk to, so when I went over to her studio to record, I was not surprised that we recorded for over three hours, and therefore, I'm splitting this into multiple parts. This is part two of that conversation. If you haven't listened to part one, go back and listen to that for some context, or you can start here and make your way through them in any order that you'd like, but there might be some callbacks and you might want to listen in order. But if you're here after listening to last week's, you know already how special Ryan is. She is incredibly wise and this mythical figure who has such sage insight around so many topics, which is why we were able to talk for so long and why I'm breaking it into multiple episodes because each one was full and rich with so many different topics. We really cover a lot of ground. So last week you heard about us talking about everything from power dynamics within the hair world and her thoughts on finding love and becoming what she calls a baby elder woman. And this time we cover hair trends. We get into talking about the big hair of the eighties and then how we are where we are now in terms of what's stylish hair wise and we get into her frequently asked questions about hair trends and hair health and hair growth and her tips around growing hair during this conversation we talk about eating disorder recovery and how it can linger and how she has been healing from that and how eating disorders play out within relationships which was a really interesting part of the conversation she gives advice for anyone wanting to become a hairdresser. We talk about Instagram. We talk about social media in general and how she's really earnest on Instagram. And her biggest lesson from the last year, which was about how imperfection is actually part of our perfection and letting go of the need to be fixed. So we get into that, which was one of my favorite parts. And then plus, at the end of this, I ask questions from our mutual friends. And some of them are previous podcast guests that if you listen to the show, you might recognize like Carrie Lynn, the founder of Cat Beauty, and my really close friend, Crystal Fawn, two people I love and I hope come back on the show. Anyway, all of that and more here to come on this episode. But we start out by 
telling more of, you know, what she calls her fairy tale backstory from everything from how she got scouted to be a model at 19 and left college to move to New York and then London and then Australia. And she ends up finishing school and working in finance in New York and then somehow becomes a hairdresser. So without further ado, back to my conversation with Ryan. go back I would love to hear a bit more of your time modeling and just how that happened and something that I admire so much about you and and we share is that you have lived so many lives and you because of that you have the best stories and you have so much experience and I know you worked in finance before you did hair like you yeah. lived so many lives so maybe start with with modeling, you mentioned it a little bit, but how did that come to be? And then where did finance and hair take us up to the present yeah. timeline a little? Okay. So I was raised in Redding, California, which is a uh, pretty like, I don't know. I always say it's a tiny town. It's not, it's like mid-sized town, NorCal to like, you know, Republican, Italian, Catholic, uh, family. And I graduated high school being like, I'm going to a good school and I'm going to be a businesswoman. Cause like, that's what you do. You go to business school. So I went to USF in San Francisco. Um, and I started, uh, the business program there, the undergrad program. I was a marketing major at the same time. It was the first big city I'd ever lived in. And I was like, I'm six foot one. And some people over my lifetime have told me I should be a model. I'm going to try it out. So I went to... Was it a slow growth or did you have like a growth spurt? <sighs> Looking back, like at my second grade picture with my girlfriends, I was already like a foot taller mm -hmm. than everybody. But I feel like I shot up like in high school, probably like second half of high school. But I went to a modeling agency in San Francisco and they were like, oh, you know, you're kind of too tall to be a model on the West Coast, but in New York, you could be a model because that's where editorial models are, which is like runway. And mm -hmm. um, so anyways, they had me do a test shoot with a photographer and he was like from from New York and he was like, I'm going to take your photos to agencies in New York City and then da da da. And I was like, oh, cool. And he didn't tell my parents because mm -hmm. I was like, they're not going to let me. But cool. I want to see what happens. And basically he was like, Oh, all these people want to sign you. Do you want to come out with your mom? And You're you know, 19. I think I was 20, no 19. Yeah. 19. And I went out with my mom and they were like, yeah, let's do this. And so my parents were basically like, Hey, if you're, cause I was on scholarship at USF. They were like, if the school will hold your scholarship, we are supporting you and trying this out. Cool. So that's what I did. So, and USF was like, yeah, we'll hang on to your scholarship. And so, yeah, I moved to New York. I signed with um, IMG Models in New York and it didn't last long. I, I basically like, I lived there for a while. I I went to Sydney. I was in Sydney for a while, Australia. And then I was in London. It was enough time for me. I think all in all, I took, it was like maybe a year and a half that I took off of school. I'd been raised in this like culture of my family that was like, if you work hard, mm -hmm you will succeed. And then as soon as I got into modeling and I was like, oh, this isn't about working hard. This is about, are you charismatic? Will you date that gross 45 year old? Are you flirting? It was my most like ballerina. I, I partied later in life. I got more fun, but that wasn't my fun period. I was like almost a young Republican. I, I you know, like I had like 
sweaters and like a blonde <laughs> ponytail and like I didn't party. I was a really good girl. Like I had a boyfriend back in San Francisco and I think people were just like, oh, she's, she shoots really well, but she's not like, what does she do? It's like, people would look at me in castings and wait for me to like be funnier or like more interesting. And I just would wait for it. I would be like, what's my job? What do you want me to do? Yeah. Basically after a year and a half, I was like, Hey guys, I have a scholarship. I'm seeing like girls who are 25 who are like aging out of this everywhere Mm -hmm. and they look just like me this feels like a huge liability because like I don't want to like I'll have all my friends graduate from college I don't have my degree and I'm also like trying to pay my rent in London doing like wallpaper magazine editorials like and getting paid like a hundred pounds for a fashion show like which is ultimately what editorial modeling is like until you've like made it. So anywho, all that to say, I was like, I'm out of here. Went back to USF, got my marketing degree, started dating a really wonderful person, uh, James Petrus, uh, who was a hairdresser. Let's see. We, I gra- we were dating. I graduated business school. He was a hairdresser in San Francisco. And then we were like, what if we moved to New York? And I was like, he was like, I've always wanted to work at Bumble and Bumble. And I was like, I've, I want to work in an ad agency. Perfect. So we moved to New York. It was during the recession. There was a major recession. This was like 2004, five. It was the beginning rather of a, of a major recession. Couldn't find a job anywhere. I was like nannying on Craigslist. Yeah. I got a random call from like a headhunter and they were like, so James, my guy at that time, he was at the salon at Bumble and Bumble. And the headhunter called and they were like, we're trying to find an executive assistant for the CFO of Bumble and Bumble. And I was like, oh, oh my God, great. And so I went in and interviewed and they were like, yeah, we love you. Let's do this. And so we started both working in the same building and we moved in together and we were living together. And it very quickly, we would come home from work and I would be like, so depressed Mm -hmm. from like budget meetings. I mean, I I was assisting the CFO. So like you're a baby CFO, whatever, like it was the most boring and like depressing cubicle life. And James was like assisting like editorial hairdressers going to fashion week, like coming back from Milan, going to Barbados for like a sports illustrated shoot. Like, Our lives were so different and we were both 22 and I was like, I have made a huge mistake. (laughs) I want that life. I don't want to come home with like a hundred emails that I'm thinking about. And I could just see like how joyful the hairdressers were at Bumble. They were all insane. Yeah. But they were so happy. And I was like 22 and I was like, okay, great. It's not too late. I'm out of here. And so I went to beauty school, got my license, and then I apprenticed. So, and that's how I did it. And so I always thought it's so funny because when I was in beauty school, it was like, I was 23, 22 and everyone else was 17. And I just felt like I was like this like old woman Mm -hmm. and that I had come so late. I found my, found my passion so late. And now of course I look back and I'm like, oh my God, that's so crazy. I was such a little baby, but yeah, it's, 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 it was nuts. It was like very, I was like a very straight laced, like uptight ballerina Mm -hmm. and I was like obsessed with getting A's in business school and then as soon as I got like dropped into the real deal I was like I'm out of here yeah this is horrible it's cool you had the foresight while you're modeling to see that trajectory and Mm -hmm. how that could go for you and to pivot quickly and I think 
failing fast or not failing necessarily, but pivoting quickly can save you a bunch of time. Yeah. You probably would have gotten where you got eventually, but your path might have been more squiggly where you were able to be more direct and yes. and quick. And yes. then it's also really interesting that I think about this all the time of like just how delicate and intricate our lives are and that if one little thing had been different or and again I think you might end up in the same spot but if you hadn't met that person mm-hmm. and dated him mm-hmm. and then moved to New York and and watched that all happen mm-hmm. you might we might not be here right now and totally is that something you think about are you are you still in touch with him and do you you know do you think about how it changed the trajectory of your career Well, it's funny because James is such a, I mean, he's now become, he's gone on to become like one of the most like famous hairdressers like in the world. He's like so, so respected. He does like every cover of Vogue, every like Inez and Vinod campaign. Like, and so it's funny. That's just like an aside. I guess that doesn't even really matter. What's really funny is that we went to like first grade together. Oh, wow. And so you knew him. All. I did. Yeah. How did you, so you met him and were friends all the way through? No. When I met, so he was like a very, we went to Catholic school together and he was in trouble all the time. And I was like really good. Uh-huh. And I, that was like an early, like I loved, I loved a bad boy. <laughs> and his like name was on the board constantly. Mm-hmm. And so, <laughs> But we weren't friends. We were just like, he was the cool kid. And I was like in Girl Scouts with my glasses on, you know, mm-hmm. I, I had remembered him because, you know, back in the day and my mom name on the board. Yeah. Name on the board, name on the board, boy. I was in San Francisco. Actually, this is funny. I'd come back from modeling. I was like very anorexic, trying to take classes, couldn't really read because I was like so underweight. And my brain didn't mm-hmm. work. I was still with that boyfriend, the first, my original college boyfriend. And he, when I told him I was anorexic, he handled it terribly. And he told me, he just told me like, I remember, I remember telling him, I was like, I think I'm anorexic. And he was like, oh, I think you look disgusting. Literally said that to me. And I was like, well, you've made it easy, sir. And I just, I remember like pushing him off my like dorm bunk bed. And I was like, bye. Yeah. It was really easy. So broke up with him. And then I was like, well, I'm single in San Francisco. And I was talking to my mom about it. And she was like, well, you know what? Someone told me James Petras lives in San Francisco. And I was like, the the boy who was hot in first grade. (laughs) And I was like, you know, like I'm single, da, da, da. And so this is really funny. I think it's going to age me, but I looked him up in the phone book. What? I thought you were going to say Facebook. (laughs) No, there was not a, I don't think there was a Facebook yet. I looked him up in a phone book and I called the number and it was to this basically like a punk rock, like squat house. Like it was like a bunch of skateboarders and someone answered the phone and they were like, oh, yeah, James, like he doesn't live here anymore. But like I got his I'll get his cell phone for you. And so like I called him and he was like, oh, my God. I was like, hi, this is like Ryan Bassetti from. Wow. Grade school. And he was like, what? <laughs> and then he was doing hair at this place called Blade Runners, which is still there. It's on Hate Street. And he was like, do you want to come get a haircut? And I was like, yeah, totally. Oh, my God. I think I can, I, I have this like insane luxury of looking at my life. And of course I believe in fairy tales because it's been a weird fairy tale full of darkness yeah. and anorexia and, and like abusive men. It's not like it's been like this magical thing, but there have been these like charmed little coins that I run into totally. and it like keeps me charged until like the next place. Yeah. And it's nuts. 
It's totally insane. Yeah. Like that part finding like hairdressing, it was like a real quick pinball right to it. It was like, yes, it, there were a couple of diversions, but it was like, bam. Wow. Yeah. That's really cool. I, I yeah. really like that you, you see your life in that, that fairy tale video game sort of a way. And, and I think the, the older that we get, hopefully that's even more clear, like the connecting the dots, moving backwards sort of thing. It's, it's more challenging when you're, when you have less data, like when you have less like data points or like coins that keep you charged Yes, to see that you'll get there. But that's really, yeah. God, that's, that's such a great story. And, And I'm so happy that that all happened for you. I am just, I'm I'm sort of like sitting with that, giving that a moment. Gosh, there's like so many directions. I Well, can I, can we just talk about the, the anorexia thing just Mm, for a second? Totally. Yeah. So then you're, then you're dating James. Uh And at that point you're still, when you start dating him, you're like in the anorexia, you've come back from modeling. Mm -hmm. So how, how did those two things coexist like what got did you stay in that for a while was there anything that was useful and how did you get out of that (sighs) my god I mean eating disorders it's like this little program that you bump into and then it's like I'm gonna stay here forever I remember talking about it with James being nervous to tell him about it but also what's interesting is like he was never like oh I'm anorexic too because he wasn't but that was like a phase of time where it was like chic as hell Mm. for everybody to be underweight. Yeah. And so when I was kind of like, oh, hey, I have dealt with anorexia. Like I've had eating disorder stuff in my past. First of all, I'm talking about like it was a long time before when it was like literally happening. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm all like, so like, let me introduce you to like something that once happened to me, which is still happening to me. That's Um, such a thing too, like with so many things, but also with, especially with eating disorder too, where, where it's just like, I really get it because let me tell you about this thing I've overcome. But yes. that one, like you said, it's such a it, – I mean, it's, it's addiction really. But yes. it's like unlike many totally. things where you can just yeah. practice the abstinence model, you yeah. have to practice harm reduction model exactly. with this one. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I mean, what was great, I guess what I'm trying to say is that James understood because in his own world, he kind of dealt with it. Yeah, like yeah. boys weren't calling it eating disorders. And again, I'm not saying James had one, but he was just like, he was a really skinny guy yeah. and it was hot to be that skinny. Yeah. And it was like all of his friends were. And that meant that they weren't eating enough food. Again, just for the record, he was not telling me he yeah, was anorexic, yeah. but like there were just a lot of like hot skulky boys yeah. back then and they were all fucking hungry. So he was really, really compassionate. I think he understood where yeah. I was coming from. And he's a very like, yeah, he's just a really good person. So he was just like, hey, all good. Okay. Okay with me. At that point, my anorexia, where my anorexia was like physically dire was when I was modeling Mm -hmm. because it was like a functional requirement of my job. Like if I wasn't like 20 pounds underweight, I couldn't fit into pants. Yeah. Like my hips were too big. It was like a really direct requirement. Mm -hmm. So as soon as I went back to school, things had to be eliminated. A a scale had to be gone. Mm -hmm. And I also couldn't look at any fashion magazine. I couldn't look at imagery. Did you do this all yourself? Did someone suggest this? Were you like actively in treatment? No, I did it myself. I did it myself. I remember I went to, there was a therapist on campus, like one of the like resident guys Mm -hmm. that you could like sign up for free therapy. And he was really cute. He was like wanting me to keep like a food diary and like 
it was sweet. I think he was like, ooh, I got an ex model with anorexia on my hands. Yeah. Like, my teacher's <laughs> going to love my, this. Yeah, let me use my skills. <laughs> yeah. I was like, well, what about if you da da da? It was sweet, but I, I could just feel my triggers. Mm-hmm. I was so grateful to not be living in like sad models' apartments. And I was so happy to be like feeling uh, validated by being in school and like people wanting me to use my brain. I felt protective of my new space so much that I was like, what fucks me up? Knowing how much I weigh and seeing skinny girls in magazines, it makes me want to stop eating food, both of those things. Mm -hmm. So I was just like, okay, none of that. So that was actually strangely uh, really strong. I can, I know that. Um, But that alone is wild because I think it, it's pretty rare to knowing those, I think is one thing. Yeah. I think everyone kind of does. Yeah. But like you were saying, intuitively, people know how they, their hair is. They know kind of the, if you're in that. Yeah. But to admit it to yourself, that's another thing. And then yeah. the last thing that's like really rare is yeah. doing it. Oh, dude. Well, the big one that had me in like a real, like the kind of like addiction that I could not get rid of was counting calories. Yeah. I always knew. I Up until... Four years ago. Yeah. So from like 19 to 37, I knew how many calories I ate like at any time of the day. Yeah. It was like this insane calculator in my head that even if I was like trying to not notice, I knew. And like recounting the same ones totally. again and again. It made me feel safe. Yep. I knew if Control. I could like go to bed yep. feeling successful, like judging yourself. I, yeah. And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm not weighing myself, but I know that if I eat 1,700 calories a day, yep. I can still wear the jeans that I like. And so it was kind of the same as weighing myself. I remember praying, being like, please take this from my head. Please take this away from me. A darker trauma happened to me. And that that took away. It was so crazy how the nervous system is like, I have this many resources. And if something is really bad, it's going to take your compulsive behavior. It's going to take some of the fuel out of your compulsive behavior because you have to go survive this really bad thing. And so, yeah. And Marfa, a really bad thing happened. I can't keep, I can't keep track of my calories because I got like 800 dark things to now deal with. So that it's crazy managing that all of a sudden my brain let go of the the calorie thing, which is kind of nuts. Yeah. It was like so long that I was doing it. Oh, that's so, that's so dark, but, it, but it is true. It's something I, I think about quite a lot, you know, with, with eating disorder recovery, like I'm going to do that thing you did with James of like, it's two seconds ago, but also like, yes, a long time ago and yesterday. Oh know? dude, absolutely. Like it's still coming. Like it's like, you, I can't take out of my brain knowing how many calories a banana is. Yeah. Like it's so just there. Oh dude, totally. And something that like for people listening that helped me and has helped me, but I've, it's been a lot of ups and downs. Yeah. <laughs> I'm being honest, but, but Isabel, who I've already mentioned on this, she told me once a really good thing to do yeah. when you're stuck in the counting calories thing is to just don't get to the end of the count. Like if you start doing it, stop, like think about something else, think about a pink elephant, anything. Yeah. Because the thing that gives you dopamine, that gives you the control, that gives you the keeping safe (sighs) is the judgment of yourself either way at the end of the day of like, oh, more than I wanted, bad, good that I wanted, like less or whatever. Whoa. So just don't let it get to the count. Okay. And so that, that is, has been helpful, but I, you know, go up and down. But the thing that you were saying. That's a great point. It's good, right? I had no idea. Okay. Yeah. I think I might've said it before on here, but it is, it's a really, really helpful one. And and, and Isabel Fox and Duke is like incredible 
and about all of this this topic. She's wow. like the yeah. top of the line. But yeah, the thing that I think is really interesting about what you said about in terms of eating disorder recovery and something coming in that overrides that circuit in your mm-hmm. brain with diet culture and we live in a world that validates thinness, right? Because yeah. Because of fat phobia, essentially, like yes. because of this internalized fat phobia we all have. Yep. And I think whatever is, and this is also something I got from Isabel, but whatever is most difficult to attain and costs the most resources to attain is what will be in fashion, right? So yes. like hundreds yes. of years ago, like beauty standards have always existed, yes, right? So absolutely. like yes. people who, you know, were in larger bodies were idealized because it took more resources to have the food and the time and the leisure to be like that. Indicator of wealth. Exactly. And now it takes more time, resources, bandwidth, brain power to have the ability to do all these wellnessy practices now or like go to Pilates or do whatever, like get, you know, all of that. Or the brain space to like count calories and be in the eating disorder is a big luxury. Yeah. And anytime I've really been in it, I've known because every other area of my life suffers yes. because I'm not able to yep. show up and do my work because I don't have the yeah. brain power. Like yeah. the, the capacity that goes to those little tallies in the side of your journal with the calories or, yes. you know, it's such a, and it's so pervasive. And, you know, I say all of this of like as someone who's just like so up and down in it because yep. it's really, and, and this is not to minimize the experience of addiction from like drugs and alcohol. And like, oh, I know no, that's no, no, really no. challenging, but yeah. I do think that, when your addiction is something like codependency or relationships or sex addiction, love addiction yeah. and food and body image. Yeah. It's like those ones are really tricky because you can't stop them fully. Yeah. Yeah. When, when a mental compulsion mm-hmm. is your addiction, you can't go to a group or call someone and be like, stop these synapses from flying, even though it's like what they really want to do. And like, literally yeah. you're asking me to like, stop light. Yeah, it's it's really interesting. It is. Yeah, and there's a privilege to it too because it's like so many people, like I think of my mom as like a single mom. She could never have done a lot of the like fucked up eating shit that I did Yeah, and been my mom and gone to work and made money and like paid rent. Maybe I was more shy about it and more embarrassed when I was younger, but I'm just like, oh, damn, dude, like most girls have an eating disorder yeah, and they don't people. know it. Yeah, most people. It is more pervasive in women because we get it. Yeah. Harder. When I was modeling, it was like, oh, yeah, like, of course you guys did got this. And I'm like, dude, every time, like when I would go back to college and I'd be in the cafeteria and I'd see girls like pushing like a tomato around. Yeah. You know, I'm like, no, she's not a model, but she has the same hell that I was living yeah. in, you know, and she's trying to go to school and like being forthright and open about it is the most beautiful way to like push light into a thing and destigmatize it. And yeah. Yeah. I mean, a hundred percent. And I think, you know, obviously it was so pervasive in that part of your career, but also like, if you really think about it, working in a restaurant tips are pretty fucked up, you know, and, oh, yeah. and, and like working in any service industry or working in r- really any job, because I've seen people get passed up for, for promotions, people in larger bodies and there's discrimination. There's not really oh, laws. Time. Like there's so, I mean, so much of it is like, and, and even if we take it out of like bodies and size and yeah. all that too, yeah. like, yeah. and this is something like, I know I'm pretty privileged and, and this is a one that you have too of like, the fact that we are people who can 
talk to people pretty easily. And yeah. I was dating someone who was a, a photographer and and he pointed this out to me or helped me to learn this where he was like, yeah, I get a lot of jobs because I'm like a nice looking, like tall white dude with, with glasses and I can like chat with anybody. Absolutely. And the person who's like kind of awkward and looks scarier yeah. or like whatever yeah. doesn't. And I was like, wow, good on you to like acknowledge that. I didn't even absolutely. think of it. Oh my God. Absolutely. Oh yeah. There's just so, I mean, the privilege, the privilege for me, it, it's, it's really endless. I was talking to another woman my age who is like, whenever I've been like less heavy, it kind of changes the air with people. It just seems like easier for me. People are kind of just more like amenable to mm -hmm. things. And I was like, I was like, dude, people are nicer to skinny people. Yeah. They just are. This is like the socialization. And thank God you see everything changing, every campaign, all these things. But like, dude, it is pervasive. Yeah. It's old. It's pervasive. It's really powerful. The trends of things of like, I remember when I was first sort of like starting and, you know, <laughs> I've had so many ups and downs and yeah. in recovery, but like, you know, phase one yeah. where when I met Isabel, she, one of the things she was telling me, and this was sort of like at the start of body positivity yeah. becoming something. And, yeah. and I remember her saying back then, this is maybe like 2013, 2014. Yeah. And she was like, well, you know, it's just a trend. Like there used to be like the Kate Moss body type was in vogue. And now it's like more of a, like at the time it was like a Kardashian back mm -hmm. then sort of body, which now is like, but you can even see it. Yeah. Like it's like, yeah, it's a pendulum, just like politically, yeah. just like whatever, like that it's going to go to the other way. And I remember just being like so bummed out about that being like, oh, fuck, like that sucks. And then recently like I woke up and I'm like that happened that body type is already back yeah. and like it's different because I think there's a, all like a lot of what I've seen about it has been pushback about it but I think that's just because of the world that I'm yeah in but it sucks do you think it's like is it in my mind I'm like who is this like dark overlord who is like it then now the pendulum is here and I'm like is it just because they feel like they've made the most money possible and they've like tapped out interest in this as a brand. And so let's push it over here. And now people will like rebuy all their products and their clothes again. I, I like is why. Like, I don't know. I don't know. And I mean, so much of it is like it's out of our control. And this is again, I keep quoting Isabel, but body diversity exists and yeah. like bodies are, which is so great because it would be so boring if we all looked the same. Yeah. And like that's what's really cool. But this is the part that you and I were talking about. And I think I like brought this up because we were talking about hair where I am looking at Ryan right now, who's beautiful and tall. <sighs> and like, we have really different body shapes. We have really different hair. And I have always wished to have Ryan's hair. And Ryan makes my hair feel beautiful when I'm with you. But I also accept that like, I'm never going to have your hair and you accept that. And even if I wear a hat and like straighten it, if you pour a bucket of water on my head like it's not gonna look the same as yours when it dries we were having the conversation about like curly big hair being yeah. in like yeah. the julia roberts like yeah that's not really in anymore with hair trends it's like kind of the same thing yeah where i wonder yeah. why yeah i don't know what do you i forget what you said back then but dude i just think it's like a I, it, it's a money it's a money maker to have yeah. a trend you know what i mean i don't know ad agencies in the 50s probably invented this i, I mean of course we've had trends ever like it's long before that but these like announcements to society this is what you need to get to buy to give yourself this look 
I try to be a trendless hairdresser. I really feel like when you see when someone comes in and they have this type of wave with like a little bit of silver and they want a bob or they want long hair, it's like you get all the coordinates. Mm -hmm. And then if you're being honest with yourself as a human who knows about hair, you know the realm of shape and length this person should be in. Yeah. That must be really hard. The, the intricacy of like being a hairdresser and being honest with yourself and with your client about like what they have been born with mm -hmm. and to learn how to see it as like fucking great. Even when like, you know, magazines and like the internet are telling you it's not great or that it's boring or passe or something. Your job is to like get a human being enthused about what they like came into their body with and then support them wearing it that way every day mm -hmm. with like as much ease as possible as opposed to like this is the look and these are the products yeah you need four silicone straightening things and you need this beach wave tool or everyone's gonna think you're stupid and that's like what most what many hairdressers do when i come in here now i have a relationship with you so now I, i'm just like do whatever you want like now i have that but yeah. if i was just meeting you and honestly when i came in for the first time i felt like i needed to give you a lot of information. And not only that, but like you asked, like you said, and, and wanted it. And we had this really great consultation, which yeah. now we don't have to do because we have a, you know, my hair, which is really wonderful. But I do think I still want a little bit of like, that's why you are so balanced. Yeah. And even though I know my hair and I know how I can do it on my own, I want someone to have the expertise and the like yeah. confidence to guide yeah. me. But yeah, the thing I'm thinking of now is what do you do when someone comes in with a photo and you're like, you have to kind of convince them? Like how, what's your game plan there? I try to talk to them about like what's happening inside of that photo. Yeah. You know, explain it. like how many steps and stages have like, uh, have like distorted, whether it's by a lot or by a little, you know, you know, no haircut that anyone ever, no photo of a haircut that anyone brings in, it has ever, um, been air dried mm -hmm. with like some exceptions. And so I like to talk to them about that. It's almost like you're trying to redirect people's gazes from everyone else to themselves. Yeah. People go into a hairdresser being like, well, obviously I'm a problem. So which of these people should I be modeling so that I'm not a problem anymore? Mm. And it's like, okay, dude, we got to redirect that like outward gaze inward. It sounds like so new age. It's like, how do I make you realize that you have fucking awesome hair? We need to get you to stop looking to others mm. and that we can actually make you like super hot, like on paper hot, even like vapid hot by working with your personal yeah. coordinates, what your parents gave you, we can use to make you hot. And we don't need to be pantomiming other people. We don't need to be hyper distorting your hair mm -hmm. with like a lot of products and tools. Not everyone resonates with me. And that's just like the reality of human beings. Mm -hmm. People who do resonate with me, I think they would all say that, that they, they get to like love the hair that they have now. Mm -hmm. And they're grateful for it. And they like to, they like it to air dry. Take the other people out of the equation. And how do we make, how do we make you feel hot as what you are? Mm -hmm. And not like being like, okay, so all these things to fix. Trying yeah. to convince people that they don't have problems. Like there isn't a problem with their hair. Mm -hmm. And that we just need to customize. Yeah. A writer that I love, he said once he likes stories of people becoming better at being themselves. And I think about that when I do this podcast, right? Like it's, it's 
it's pretty intimate. I try to make people feel comfortable to connect with me and forget that we're doing a really weird thing. You yeah, know, like we're yeah. doing this weird thing that like people are going to eavesdrop on and that there are microphones in yeah. front of us. And then I go back and I hear our voices and edit it to make it sound not better, but to make you sound more like yourself. Like I heard it. And yeah, I know yeah, you yeah, want exactly. To be. Yes. And yes. my friend who's a photographer, he had a had a show opening and, and it's kind of like, I, I was thinking about this with his photos. It's like, he has to make people feel really comfortable. Yeah do something weird mm -hmm. and then go back and spend so much time looking at like their face and making it look more like themselves. More like, like they're them. doing a good job. Exactly. And you're doing the same yes. thing here. Like, and yes. my other friend, she reads tarot cards yes. and it's like, and my other friend, he works in film and, and, and working with all these different directors, like you're managing people. Yeah. You're also doing the thing you're like yeah. skilled at doing. And yeah. it's a lot of different circuits, but it's kind of all the, it's same, the thing. same thing, dude. It's the same exact thing. I always tell people like when we have like this moment at the end and they're smiling and I'm excited and we're like, Oh my like, holy shit, dude. I'm like, Oh my God, I made you look more like you. And it's like this thing where you're like, damn, if you could take like a picture of the invisible forces at work, it's almost like what we're trying to do, all of us, are coax people's light mm -hmm. out. We were to coax people to come to their surface, yeah. to come to their own surface. And then they're like majestic. And it's not about a fucking magazine picture that they saw. It's so much better. Oh, all right. I mean, this is so good. I, I have a million directions to, to go in, but I... I want to ask you the questions, the rapid fire, ask everybody, <laughs> which I think I'll just do the rest of my questions that way. And okay. I want to ask you the questions from our mutual friends. But while we're talking about hair, I'm just going to like give you a couple of hair questions. Yeah, please. So what is like a question you get most often about hair or maybe this is two separate questions. Maybe it's the same thing. And, and what's something that you wish more people knew about hair? Okay, I want to tell you about a new podcast that I'm honestly really stoked to listen to. It sounds really up my alley, and let me tell you why. This is a new show from Pushkin. It's called Other People's Pockets. So have you ever wondered how on earth your friend bought their home or why your coworker meticulously splits the tab down to the last Diet Coke? Just in general how people are figuring out their money situation. I feel like this is so relevant to the conversation and progress right now that I'm interrupting. This new show is called Other People's Pockets and it's about other people's money. Host Maya Lau asks people from all walks of life to get really radically transparent about their finances in actual dollar amounts. So you'll hear from a dominatrix who gets paid to bully men at the ATM, an elite scientist who couch surfed to survive, a business prodigy who flipped his services from drugs to dumbbells, and more. You can find other people's pockets wherever you get your podcasts. This week's episode is brought to you by Cured Nutrition. 
I have loved Cured for a long time. If you've listened to this podcast for a while, you might remember that they have sponsored before and they're here again because I genuinely love their products and I use them and I think you might really like them too. They have so, so, so many options now. Today I'm choosing one to highlight and tell you about and it's my favorite right now, which is called Zen. It's a nootropic formula by Cured's very own in-house clinical herbalist. It contains a blend of reishi mushroom, ashwagandha, chamomile, passion flower, and broad spectrum CBD. So it's something that I take before bed and honestly, it helps with a good night's sleep. I really love it. This formula is great. It's something that I take in the evening before heading to bed and it's part of my bedtime routine, which I'm trying to have better sleep hygiene this year. It's something that I've been really wishing for and and trying. And I take it about 45 minutes before I hope to fall asleep. And I honestly don't really have too much trouble falling asleep anyway, but sometimes I just want to wind down and get into bed and I want to have a more restful sleep so I'm not waking up really groggy and this helps. I really, really love it. And if you do struggle to fall asleep, it can probably help you with that a bit too. I wake up with zero grogginess from it. I wake up more refreshed and I really, really love it. Right now, Cured is extending an exclusive offer to you, the listeners of this podcast. You can grab Zen for 20% off by using the coupon code, let it out at checkout. This blend of functional mushrooms, adaptogens, and cannabinoids will have you sleeping like you've never slept before. There's no melatonin. And that's really nice because that can be chronically overused in the market and can make people groggy and you can build up a tolerance to it. And this is great because you wake up feeling refreshed, which I really like. Rishi is really good for promoting stress resilience and it's calming and it has magnesium in it too which is something that I really really love and it's been shown to have positive effects in reducing blood pressure it's something that I've taken for years so I love that it is in this and it has CBD a 20 milligram dose so it creates calm in the mind and body to help you fall asleep and of course ashwagandha classic reduces anxiety improves your stress response and passion flower calms the mind so many benefits it will increase your likelihood to have some rim sleep rim that you know you remember probably from biology the best sort of sleep Thank you, Cure Nutrition. I hope you give this a try. Again, the code is let it out. And back to our conversation. It's kind of site specific to like the last couple of years that I've been living in Los Angeles. People ask me all the time, why does their hair feel bad here? It's, it's almost like this weird gaslighting thing about Los Angeles where you're like, oh, we're living by the ocean and like we're eating from Erewhon and like <laughs> we are all like, taking care of our bodies. Well, the water, the city water of Los Angeles is so hard mm-hmm. and full of crazy shit and it makes your hair look bad. And with a couple exceptions, yeah. there are some people that think their hair looks better here. I don't understand. My, my and all of my clients, it's got like this kind of powdery 
it dulls. It's got a matte yeah. finish, makes curls kind of more straight, makes straight hair look greasy. It's just weird. Um, so the, the question I get the most here in LA is just like, why does my hair look bad? But when I'm in New York, it looks good. And I'm like, it's because of the water. Yeah. And you want to get... If you are lucky enough to own your own home in Los Angeles and you have some money to throw at it, another a little more money is I get a whole house softener for your house and it'll pull the the junk out. If you don't own your house, you know, the shower head filter, make sure you get one of those. Those are not as effective, but they do still help. Yeah. When we talked about like when I came to Zoe's house and I was like, my inspiration photo was literally a photo of myself from two years ago where I was like, this is how I want my hair to look. Because yeah. my, you've heard this, but my hair was like so long. It was yeah. so good when I lived in New York. Yep. And then one day here, I swear I woke up and I, I even sent a photo to my friend. I was like, did I thought someone like came and cut my hair while I was sleeping and was like fucking with me, honestly, <laughs> because it it dropped so drastically only on one side. Yeah. But and when you came to me, I had gotten it cut because it was just like I had to call it at one point. And so yeah. it was really short. And I yeah. just have hair that like looks better when it's long. But I'm still, as you've heard about a million times, I have like one side that like looks like I had a bowl cut. And, yeah. But I think it really was from the water, but also – being in the sun more, do you think that makes it a little bit? And the dryness here, do you think those factors in too? All of those things make more brittle hair, absolutely. Breakage is going to be because of the highlights. Mm. So it's like, okay, your hair feels like shit. If you have natural hair, no no color in it, and you live in LA, it's just going to be drier, more matte. Like it's gonna, You're going to have split ends more often, whatever. But if you also bleach your hair like you and I both do... Mm-hmm. And especially if you have a colorist who is putting on like a high developer to kind of get you in and out fast, Mm -hmm. that's bad news. I have really sturdy hair and I never had breakage anywhere else. And I've been bleaching my hair for a long time. And I moved here three years ago. And let me tell you. We have a fix though. We have a fix. (laughs) We have a really great fix. Uh, We have a great colorist who is a true magician. Ian answers to many mystical names. I'm going to get my hair colored yes. by him tomorrow Yeah, per Ryan's suggestion for everything we just said. And yes. so I, I was texting him before this and I was like, oh, you want to submit a question? And so this is this is <gasps> his question. I know this sounds very basic, but knowing her, quote, Ian Scott Dory wants to know <laughs> your top three favorite qualities in a hairdresser. She will uh... laugh so hard and you'll get some great answers. <laughs> Oh my God. Oh, that's cool, dude. Okay. Okay. Number one is kindness. These are all going to sound trite as hell, but I, I really mean them because like when you're hearing these, think about all of the like archetypes of hairdressers that you have seen and known in like, mm-hmm. in like TV in real life. So kindness, being a good listener and humility. Yeah. Kindness, listening and humility. Those are the ones those are the the traits because I, I I will say those it's rare, it's rare to meet a hairdresser who has all of those things. It's like talent is later for me. Mm-hmm. No, that makes so much sense. What does? Can you flesh those out a little bit more? Like, what does listening mean to you? Or like, what's your greatest lesson on on listening? How do you be a good listener? So you know when people like make fun of their friends who say like, oh, they're just waiting for me to stop talking mm-hmm. so they can tell me stuff. Mm-hmm. I see hairdressers doing consultations like that all the time. This is me being like, people actually know more about what they need than than they than they know. And you have to let them talk and you have to pay attention to what they're saying. 
because you're going to get so much information from what seems like maybe like a rambly person. Mm -hmm. They're trying to tell you something. Yeah. And there's a lot to learn. And so if you're going into a conversation being like, I want to hear what they have to tell me, I have stuff to learn. That means you're a good listener. And like, again, many hairdressers are like, nope, I know about redheads and I know about curls and I'm going to tell them, you know, and that's your shitty listener. Mm -hmm. So yeah, by being a good listener, it's just like receive. Yeah. And I think kindness and humility are necessary to do that because the, the reality of the situation is you do probably know a lot more than they do about the specific thing, mm -hmm. but they know more about this other specific thing, which is their hair. Like there are two elements, like they might not have the right words. So someone who is taking a long time to explain something about their hair, you might know really quickly, but you have to have the patience and yeah. humility to let them parse through it. This is like this like mystery zone that hairdressers yeah. kind of throw out the window because they want to get to the haircut. They want to cut through it and get started. There are so many opportunities to make better decisions once you're cutting inside of that conversation time. Like I see a haircut as a collaboration, as like mm -hmm. a coming together of two minds, not me imposing myself onto someone. And so in that beginning phase is when you're writing the blueprint together and you're exchanging information, you're basically making this blueprint in that time. And if it's a one-sided blueprint, that's going to be a certain type of haircut that I find uninteresting. Yeah. You know, and I've gotten them from hairdressers before and I'm like, oh, that's cute. Like this is a good haircut, but it's not what I wanted. Yeah. Just one more hair question. Yeah. I asked you this the, the day I met you because I was in dire straits. Um, but what is your advice for wanting to grow hair or have your hair be healthier and in general, both of those? It's not about outside. It's not about the serums that you put on your scalp. It's not about topics from the outside. It's about inside. There are a lot of vitamin deficiencies and like food deficiencies in general that we're all suffering from because we live in this crazy ass wonky world with like GMOs and just like fallout from chemicals. If you want to bump up your hair big time, take a liquid B complex. A lot of us have like gut issues where we're not breaking down vitamins. A liquid B complex, B, B, we're almost all of us are deficient in B vitamins. And that's just part of our life right our lives right now, just because of again the world that we live in. I was on a B complex hill for like years. And I, I was tired all the time and it was so bizarre. And I and my doctor finally I had a new naturopath and she was like, Well, I want you to get on, I think it's a, and this is like a methylation, if you've heard about like the MTHFR mutation. Mm -hmm. I'm going to give you a short answer. If you get on research, look into methylated B vitamin complexes okay. as a liquid. That is going to help your hair immensely. That's going to help with growth. Methylated? All right. Yeah. There's a methylated form of B complexes. I'm ordering it after this. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of people have a hard time methylating and that's uh it, it kind of holds your hand and jumps you past the first phase okay so, so this that. is what's going on in the water that you're telling me before yeah okay yeah that's in my drinking water <laughs> uh spirulina is insane for hair and that we can break down yes yeah 
if you have like an allergy to any of these things, of course, I am not a doctor, but spirulina, I've had clients who do like a teaspoon of spirulina every day into like juice or whatever. It will grow back hair that you've lost due to like stress, pregnancy stuff, like whatever. It will, I've seen people's gray hair flip. Right. Like reverse. And that's not like, oh, it's all gone, but it'll yeah. cut it by like, it It has the possibility of cutting it by like 60, 70%. Wow. Spirulina is amazing. You and I talked about nettle tea. Yeah. Nettle tea is magical. It's full of iron. Yeah. Um, nettles are just like the beauty. It's like a fairy plant. It's yeah. so good. It increases your skin's moisture barrier. Yeah. It's Again, it's full of plant-based iron. And so your nails are happy. Your skin's happy. It makes your hair grow thick faster. So yeah, if I would say my top three favorites, it's it's nettles, spirulina, and then a really good B-complex. Liquid and liquid. Yeah. Because I I think that all my vitamins I'm taking pills are a waste of money. Yeah, dude. I mean, I just don't break them down. Yeah. I really don't. This is really hitting me hard. Yeah. And what about the iron? That was more specific to us thing. Mm -hmm. That's not necessarily yeah. Hair. All right. All right. Yeah. You know, while we're in this hair sort of conversation, just broaden it out a little bit and talk about beauty. How do you define beauty and has, has that changed over the years? I think it definitely has changed over the years. I think it's it's been this like softly evolving. It's getting wiser. I used to look at fashion magazines and be like, that's real beauty, you know? And now mm-hmm. I'm like, like, I'll take care of like a 70 year old person and like see their beautiful eyes, their beautiful like white hair. I don't know. I feel like I'm starting to appreciate this like full spectrum humanity beauty. It's so hard to not sound trite when I talk about stuff like this, but there can't be a standard of beauty. It's like Mm -hmm. every single person has like they're beautiful. It's like a singular to the person. It sounds so like, I felt like I'm writing a Hallmark card, but beauty is when you feel beautiful Mm -hmm. and you can be like dying and feeling beautiful. You know, like it, it doesn't have to be about you thriving or Mm -hmm. you can be at the bottom of a depression hole and see something beautiful about yourself, you know? And so I think it's, it's for the it's for the singular experience for the individual to have. It's not outside the individual. Beauty can't exist like as a standard outside of like of the person. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think it goes back to what you were saying about making people feel more like themselves. Mm-hmm. And that's like when I'm having a like horrific bad body image day, bad self-worth day, whatever it is, I try to think about myself, this is so cheesy, but as a pair of eyes, like just Mm. in not even an avoid mirror sort of way, but that's not a bad idea either. Yeah. (laughs) But like when I'm feeling so, so down, the only thing that gets me out of it is like, it it was more clear in New York. I think I was also more depressed there, but but just like going out and interacting in the world. Like, I I mean, like in the morning, like just like being out and like seeing people going to work, getting out of my own brain, like looking at art or looking at just the world, Yeah, you know? And I think that it gets you out of your own head enough because I think it's, it's what you're talking about. You're not comparing yourself to a standard. You're just in, you're in your body. And I think- I I asked this question to you know Nadine Artemis. Yeah. She she said her answer to this question about beauty, you know, as someone who 
makes products again in the beauty industry like mm -hmm. this is something that i'm sure she like you like yeah. gets asked about a lot her answer was something about she sees beauty as focus and she speaks french and and the the french word for the orgasm is focus like it's a um, well it's little death is uh -huh. what it means but it's uh -huh. like essentially it's you're doing one thing yeah and like that to her is, is beauty and i didn't really get that and I, I'm not even sure if I still get it yeah but yeah it feels correct to me in this yeah. way of like I want to get that yeah you know what I mean yeah like I've always felt I don't want to say beautiful because I don't know if that's true but I've felt my best yeah which I guess is beauty yeah when I'm connecting with someone when I'm like present when I'm focused you know you can't be doing you can't be feeling bad and okay at the same time, really. Yeah, yeah. Or maybe you can. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, dude, maybe it's like beauty is when we see ourselves in each other. Mm, you know? That's so nice. Yeah. Because I do think it's like, it's about, it's about realizing that we are all like one organism together. Yeah. And to see that, you know, and we are this like, and, and, and thusly when you're sitting and you're talking to someone and you're interacting yeah. or connecting, it's that mirror moment. Yeah. And seeing that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that I want that to be my answer. Beauty is when we see ourselves in each other. It's, it's like when you think about those like giant mushrooms that exist underground, mm -hmm. you know, and mm -hmm. it's like realizing that the, actually that's what we are. Yeah. And we're like, isn't that crazy that like this big thing and like when the other part of it is are sick and they send water to them and, da -da -da, and you're like, right now we're like being taught to ignore when we feel other people are like struggling and sick. Right. But like, that's actually how human beings work too. Right. And when you can see those moments and those glimpses of that, like that's beauty. Mm -hmm. I really think that. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Because I, I think it's like a, a wall is broken down. And as you were saying that, like I was thinking about psychedelics and then you brought up mushrooms. And like I did mushrooms once with my friend who is a therapist, but not mine and her partner <laughs> upstate. And I was like really sad. And, and it's, you know, really helpful psychedelics for eating disorder recovery. And, yeah. and I, there's a bunch of research and I believe that. And the, the thing I always said about that experience that that really stuck with me was that I didn't want it to be over because essentially like my my mushroom self was like my real self like without yeah. my ego yeah and I had brief moments during that where I would like go into my ego which is like how I live essentially yeah but it felt so uncomfortable yeah and I would come back to my wow. mushroom self but in life it's opposite like the ratio is the converse of that which is like I have brief moments of realness and being myself yes. and it feels so good, but I yes. exist in the other and I yes. want to switch that. And like, that's the beauty of like service and mm. like being of service and not in an altruistic way, but because it. I was just going to say, like, yeah. I think that's like what I really feel like I want to point out today too, about this whole, like, Oh, interviewing a hairdresser, like what's it like to take care of people. And like, let me tell you, they take care of me. Mm. Like, yeah, on paper, it's like I am manually doing this thing and they feel better about what they look like. But like energetically, what has just happened is we have like soothed each other as humans. They have helped me mm -hmm. navigate all the shadow corners, all the sadness, grief, like yeah. 
we do that for each other. Yeah. And like, I think that this is not like some kind of altruistic, also they're paying me. Right. So it's like, they've just helped me and they gave me money. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like, so Which is like the, also the best, like it's an energy exchange. Like yeah. Money's just made up. Totally. Exactly. Exactly. Like I think, but I think, yeah, like meeting each other in that space and that's why being separated. And so, you know, like, oh my God, my mental health during COVID mm -hmm. as like someone who couldn't touch people when I'd been touching people and having these interactions, I fell fast. Mm -hmm. Well, I think, you know, we were talking a little bit before we started recording, like the, the show took an unexpected month off. Ryan, you were saying that like you've given yourself some space for integrating and processing and. And I, this is the first one of these I've done this year. You uh -huh. know? And I was like oddly nervous because I had a, I have this responsibility of all my friends to do a, a good job with this person I love so much. And also like this, I love do. Like, there's something about doing the thing that you do that like gives you a little bit of a confidence boost. Like I was just talking to Zoe, she went skiing this week in, in yeah. Mammoth and she was saying like, I just wanted to do so many, I wanted to think of it like a sport. Like I really yeah. wanted it. And then she said, she's like, it was just felt really good to do something I'm good at. And like yeah. that, that's good for self-confidence. And like, I'm so happy oh. that she has that. Oh my God, definitely. Just like it's humbling to like try ceramics or like do a yeah. skill that you don't know. Like that's also probably healthy for you in a way too. But learning a new skill for someone, I'm a very slow learner. Yeah. I don't think that's necessarily going to be the thing that's going to feel good when my I'm already feeling a little bit depressed or down. Like I think going if I was Zoe going skiing or yeah. like doing hair for you yeah. or like doing the thing that you're good at yeah. can lift us out of a depression yeah. when it's like, yeah, which is like kind of hard because it's like your brain doesn't you have to really coach yourself into like remembering. That. Yeah. Oh my God. Absolutely. I mean, like most people, like as soon as like depression or like any type of like mental drooping happens, mm -hmm. you just want to pull in and like withdraw, you yeah. know, and isolate. And it's just like, I don't want to go to a jazz class and feel like an idiot for an hour. Like yeah. I want to do something where I have like agility yeah. and I'm like, I'm reminded that I have like, uh, this talent you know, and feel the talent. Also, it's also like, I can see Zoe like flying down the slopes and like, she's like such a commander, you mm -hmm. know, like I could feel, it probably feels good for her to be like out in nature. Yeah. Where she's so like not in charge, really. She's yes. like being deft inside of yeah. it, but like she feels like the power of this bigger thing. Right. Yeah. And then for you, it's like, this is like truly a calling, obviously, <laughs> you know, to like, conjure these moments and these conversations and then share all this information. Like it's your calling. Like you have to do it, you know, like to be separate from it for too long, it would be terrible. Well, I think the thing of like you doing hair is always skiing or whatever. It's like you're present and you're doing one thing. I mean, us not being on our phones, us, it's yeah. very rare. Yeah. And, and that's why I love this. I've, I've said this many times, but it's like in life where even if we're watching TV that's why I like going to the movies because yeah. I, and I don't watch TV by myself because yeah. I end up like double screening or it takes me so long to make a choice that totally. I just don't, it's not even worth it. Yeah. Like I like watching TV with people because yes. yeah. it's fun to talk about it. Yeah. But there's very few moments in, in life where I, we're not multitasking. Yeah. We're doing the one thing. Yeah. And that I think alone, same when you're cutting hair, like, skiing, whatever, anything that we can take 
phone time away and be doing one huge solo activity. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Do you have any just like if someone here is listening and I think there might be people who are starting out in the profession, maybe apprenticing Mm -hmm. or just like not even thinking about necessarily before this conversation, but now are like, oh, that might be a thing I want to try to do as my career. Like, would you give someone advice or like a, a something you learned that you could share with someone now? First up, find a hairdresser who loves what they do. There are a lot of burned out hairdressers in the world. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean they're not good hairdressers, but there are a lot of really tired, cranky, jaded ones who will be like, don't get into this business. Like this is da da da. They'll give you a long list. Don't avoid those people. There are people who do this job who can't believe how much they love this job. And Honestly, if it's about calling salons that you like and being like, hey, I'm thinking about, is there someone there who loves being a hairdresser who would want to talk to me? And the front desk person will ask people and, and they'll call you. Some You'll eventually, someone will call you. If you don't know someone personally who's a happy hairdresser, find a happy hairdresser, take them out for a coffee and just ask them to tell you about their experience with it and how they did it. And if they have, if someone's thinking about it, feel free to reach out to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd be happy to be that person for you. But yeah, I would say there are a lot of burned out hairdressers in the world and, and you don't want to, you don't want to ask them because it's not great energy. And you know, there are a lot of ways to approach the industry and, and I'd like for it to be a, through a positive path. So that's what I would say. Interview a happy hairdresser. Mm, that's so good. I think that kind of applies to like any career that someone wants to do, like find someone who loves it. Totally. Totally. Yep. What's the best thing you've eaten in the last week? I had this like pumpkin curry Mm. that I got from this beautiful vegan Thai place. I ordered it and I kind of like that for dinner and I had like a couple bites and then I put it in the fridge. I'm like a freak for leftovers. Oh, they're so good. when Dude, like I feel like you know what I'm talking about, like a cold leftover. I know, it like kind of congeals. Give me me some creepy ass congealed pumpkin curry next day and then throw like a cut up an avocado on top of it. Now you're Girl, talking. I like messed that up. Yeah. Like I was just like eating it and I was like, this is the best thing I've ever eaten. <laughs> we are this. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> wow. Okay. I'm going to give you one that this is going to probably make a lot of people gag, but it, like, okay. I got like an acai. This is like, honestly, like could have been a year ago. I'm not sure. This is a while ago. But I got an acai bowl and for whatever reason, like wasn't hungry enough to finish that. Like I honestly, I think I just didn't have time or something. Yeah. Because... Anyway, I put it in the fridge. Yeah. It like congealed and got oh, what yeah. you would think would be gross in a way that was so good later. Dude. But the next time I got it, I was like, I don't, I want to do that again. <laughs> You're like, this is for tomorrow. Oh my God. Dude. Yeah. I might, I love that shit. It's like food does weird stuff in the fridge, dude. Give it a day. Yeah. It's so funny because one of my naturopaths was like, Ryan, leftovers, you know, they have a lot of histamines in them. It's uh-huh. better to eat them right away. And I'm like, I'm sorry. That's where you're never going to like flip me, dude. I love some leftovers. Yeah. I do think about that sometimes when I do finish food in the moment, I, it's like, I, I choose the advice to like when it works for me. Yeah, exactly. I know. I'm like, this isn't that important. <laughs> yeah. Cause they're th- this amazing person, Divya, she owns Divya's kitchen in New York, but she's this incredible Ayurvedic chef. And I, we did a live episode when I lived in New York at her oh my God. space in the East Village. And 
And one thing that she said that always stuck with me was like the food quality of the, I mean, this makes sense. And this is doubling what your naturopath is saying, like yeah. goes down the more you, the, the more time that passes. So like yeah. leftovers aren't great. And yeah. blah, blah, blah. When I do, yeah. When I finish it in one sitting, I'm like, well, you got the quality of the information. of the food. Like, <laughs> Totally. Oh my God. A hundred percent. Oh my God. Um, I love that. <laughs> Let's talk like briefly about social media. And you mentioned earlier that you and Chris are both really earnest on it. And and I love you on Instagram and in, in real life. But has that been challenging for you? Do you have boundaries with that? Do you ever get anxious around it? Like what like when you said that, I was like, wait, that's like how I want to be. Like I kept making a joke at the end of last year of like 2023, I'm going to become because I'm like trying to figure out how to make money. Yeah. <laughs> and and yeah. my friend was like, and I'm doing all these jobs, which is fun, but she's like, honestly, I think you could like support yourself and like pay your rent by doing like one influencer thing. Yeah. But I'm like so scared to even like use it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. How do you, but what that's what I want to do is just be earnest in myself. Like yeah. how have you been able to do that? I found that I was starting to feel kind of toxic mm-hmm. from how I had to think about how I was positioning myself on social media. And I kind of just was like, you know what? I'm going to be like a Judy Bloom character. I'm just going to post when I'm happy. It's not just going to be because it's like a sexy picture of me. I want to post things that are good, that make me feel good. Now, I've had a million people tell me, are you a hairdresser? How will I know if you're, can, can I see your work? You don't post it on Instagram. Like I don't have any responsible branding for myself on social media. I've had a lot of people tell me like, you should I have a huge clientele of people and I've never branded yeah, myself. You don't need to. I have like a I have like a thousand people in his clients in three cities. And if you look at my Instagram, outside of a link to my website, it's like, who is this person? Yeah. And I actually it makes me feel proud. Yeah, it's really cool. Every now and then I feel as a business person, I'm like, am I missing the boat? Am I am I missing out on like an important situation? It's definitely not cool. I'm not like cool on Instagram. I mean, I think you are. (laughs) (laughs) But like, I don't know. It just felt gross in my body. I'll just say this. I'll I'll, I'll say say it that way. It felt when I was more aware of it, I felt always a little bit like it felt like gross in my stomach. Mm -hmm. And so now mostly on Instagram, I, I feel like when I do stuff, I want it to be clear. And I want it to not make my body feel gross. Mm-hmm. And so that's my approach. I don't really, it's like a non-approach, but like, it just feels like cleaner to me. God, I love that. And I really do believe if you make good work and you're trying hard, like, and you're good at what you do, like the the people will come in a way. <laughs> I have to say, I remember like on this, while we're talking about this, I walked into a salon one time, the salon owner had hired, I don't know if she hired or what, but like a social media expert to come in and talk to the hairdressers. And the salon owner was like tired of hearing about how like her hairdressers weren't getting enough like walk-ins, like new clients. Mm -hmm. And so this like social media consultant came into the salon to tell all these hairdressers how to post their clients, their haircuts, how everything relied on them doing this shit on Instagram. And I felt this like, I felt this fire like leap up inside me because I wanted to like go over. I wanted to like push that person out the window. Like, sure. Yeah. People are like, oh, should I get my haircut by her? I'm going to look at her Instagram and see if I like da da da. But I think at this point, the standard of what you're looking at, it's like, Everyone has the same beach waved layers in front of a ring camera. Right. Like, is it really how people are 
like successfully choosing hairdressers. And also you're asking people to step into the ring of like a pretty toxic, like boxing ring and telling them that like, it's only, it's this way or the highway. It's stupid. I am like, I am evidence that like I've never, and I have a huge clientele word of mouth is always the Mm -hmm. best way, no matter what your business is. Yeah. And Instagram, if somebody comes to you from Instagram as a client, whether you're a branding agency or a hairdresser, they're going to leave as soon as someone else looks cooler on Instagram. It's a very fickle type of client. Totally. And I think, well, think back to like how you found someone through the phone book. Yeah. (laughs) We never had this. My mom didn't find Sherry who cuts her hair through seeing a portfolio of her work. She just like vibed with her personality. And that's like so much of this, like we just discussed today for five hours, like about how so much of this isn't like skill and technicality it's bedside manner and personality and connection and that can't come through a photo grid yeah and also like i mean sure also you want like a good hair cutter you want a good hair color is like sure get i always tell people out in the world being a human being look at the hair that you like and go ask that person who did their hair like that's how you find your person 100 and and even like I had an interesting experience recently where this this person asked me to do her podcast and she's lovely. She's like in her early 20s and she found my podcast through eating disorder recovery stuff like a long, long time ago. And uh-huh. we got on and she was like, oh, I'm so excited to like ask you about podcasting. And she's like, I, you know, you've been doing it for so long. And, and she's like, you know how we need that. And I was like, okay, cool. Like camera on. She's like, yeah, I mean, you know, she's like, how do you handle this for like for TikTok and like with all the like promos we have to do and this and that, right? Cause she's, you know, her podcast is like far exceeded mine, yeah. you know? And I was like, dude, I have no idea if you, like I did make an Instagram for let it out, but it's all like weird, like found images that like Zoe and I send each other. And it's yeah. like, you know, I yeah. interview my friends. Like, I don't give a fuck about like, and granted, I don't have as much money probably. And like, I think there is probably some like, this is very different than hair and word of mouth in some ways, but I'm also like, podcasting is a welcomed phenomenon because it's long form and slow. Yes. And like, sure, I, I do think me like keep up or be kept up, like looking at some trends and like maybe it is probably good for me to like post about things. But sure, sure. at the same time, it's like the same as you. It's like, I don't know. I'm still doing it after 10 years. And like, there's probably ways for it to be better. But I think it's like, it's a different hat to to wear that marketing hat and one that I don't like wearing. (laughs) I mean, it makes it strips away like it's a lot of energy that pulls away from the process I actually am good at and that I do. Right. You know, it's like it's diverting my river away from like my studio practice. Yeah. Like I'm like, bro, I don't want to be like, oh, here's my like hot haircut from last week. And like, this is this girl. And I think for you also, like on the tip of like in- influencers, I, I don't know that many, but I know a couple and like these people are controlled at all times by their phone. We think it's bad for us. Yeah. Like the amount of posting, the required posting, the hypervigilance, like there have to be podcast people who enjoy the success of like broadly loved podcasts who don't have to be jumping on TikTok and like getting their five posts a day in or whatever it is. You know, there has to be, there have to be. I mean, I think that's me. I think I just 
need to figure out how to sustain it and be able to like I just want to be able to keep doing what I'm doing yeah. and I think I I think I can I just might have to like fund it in a different way or yeah. like you know things ebb and flow and I love talking to older hairdressers. What if you like, you know, like some podcasts that you love, throw out some emails to people and, you know, really establish ones and be like, hey, like, this is who I am. Like any, any chance you could have a phone call or, you know what I mean? And just like get some tips. Yeah, that's a really good point. I mean, I think it's, there's like a difference there in the sense of like a lot of podcasts I really like are newer or started yeah. five years ago or yeah. started like the podcasts are so new. Yeah. And yeah. I think too, or it's like the NPR, like Terry gross is like my totally. ideal. And I just, that's a little harder to totally, <laughs> it's a different thing. There's a totally. team of people like yeah. this is just a very small operation. So yeah. Anyway, well, I'll yeah figure it out. Well, speaking of someone who, who <laughs> I, we, we both know and, and I admire so much and another one of my friend of the podcast, one of my favorite guests who she's young, but she has that energy of someone I admire when I am around her. And when I was at her home, when we recorded this, I really felt like, wow, this is who I want to be like when I am your age or just in general. So Carolyn, um, who has cap, she submitted a question for you and (laughs) it's so good. It's kind of a pivot from what we've been talking about, but I think it'll be good. What is one thing that always makes you laugh no matter what. While you're thinking about that, I'll tell you something else she said about you that I also, I just really like how she said this, but she said, I don't know Ryan all that well, but every part of her that I do know, I love so much and find so special. And I was like, wow, that's exactly, you articulated exactly how I feel about you. And I feel like so many people feel about you. Oh my God. I, that's like, that's so kind. So kind. You know, I, I met Carolyn like during this time during COVID. So I moved here from Marfa mm-hmm. six months before COVID happened. I didn't have a studio. And so once, okay, everything shut down for COVID. And then six months in, I was like, I have to do a hair and I don't have a studio. So I started doing house calls, which is when I met you. Mm-hmm. I drove out to Carolyn's place in, I guess it's in Calabasas. Yeah. And like, oh Malibu, my Calabasas, God. Yeah, Malibu, yeah. Calabas. And this like, and I just was like, where am I? What's going on? I got lost. I was like, what's same, happening? Same. Like, where, what? <laughs> and then she just comes like walking out this like mm-hmm. radiant person. Just like talk about like at the surface beauty, you know, she's totally. just like really at her surface. And she, her cutie little chihuahua was yeah. like running next to her and it was kind of like sunset kind of, I just felt like I was like, what am I walking into? Like this dream bubble mm. of a person. So like I have very mutual, we definitely kind of like melded into each other just as if we were like old friends or something. I'm going to say this. I love dogs so much i laugh at dogs like a dog like it's such a funny thing but like dogs make me laugh i love them so much they make me still feel so happy i don't have one i grew up with like a couple in my parents backyard but like um my answer to that is dogs Mm, that's so good Um, i also don't have one and love dogs so much (laughs) like dogs being goofy makes me laugh Mm -hmm. every every single time also this is more like mushy but like chris makes Mm -hmm. me laugh like constantly and he is a comedian but he's also a comedian also that probably has nothing to do with 
that. <laughs> this is from Savannah. So Savannah is um, was Aww. friends with the person that Ryan was like sort of dating. Yeah, Dated you could call it that. Whatever. It was like a mangled version of that. <laughs> yeah, she was friends with his nephew. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> And that is, and honestly, thank you to him for this podcast happening. Oh my god, the 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 underbelly of you know, and the way I met Savannah is true. I've definitely told on this podcast is like <laughs> truly a kismet story. So I mean, the whole thing is pretty wild that we're even here sitting today. Hi, Queen. My question for you is: Would you rather be a beach mermaid princess or a forest? Elven princess. Love you. Miss you. Savannah is a goddamn gem in this world. Mm -hmm. Savannah, I'm happy to tell you that (laughs) I was born a forest elven princess. Like, I can't even tell you. I just, it's so, you're the beach mermaid princess and Mm -hmm. I'm the forest elven princess. I swear to God, one time, literally, Chris and I were like out at the beach in Malibu Uh and we're like walking and then I hear this like, Ryan, and I look up and it's Savannah like running out of the ocean. Like literally like Ariel with like her legs. She's like, oh my God. Her hair is just like mm-hmm. everywhere, like oh, slow-mo. Best hair. I love her so much. Wow. She's such a magical, special person. She's incredible. I, I miss, so I love her and I miss her. Yeah, me too. I went, I was roller skating one time at a roller rink and this like hot girl came in and was like power skating and doing like gorgeous, like lazy dance moves. Uh-huh. And I didn't know it was her for like, a good 10 minutes. And then I got close to her and I was like, <gasps> I just like, I like run into her in the wild and she's like doing crazy, beautiful shit. She's so special. That was what I was, tra- she roller skates in that Gucci commercial. Have you seen it? No. I'll show you. But that what? was what I was talking about. Like she, she, I think she was at the, <gasps> it was, she's listening to this probably and correcting me, but she got like, she was Scouted? at a skate store or something. And someone was like, do you want to come in to Italy like tomorrow? And she like left, went to, that's when they cut her hair. And it was like pretty drastic. Yeah. And Wait, was that here or in New Mexico? Here. What? And then she went, it was right before COVID. No. Yeah. And then she's, I'll show you. Yeah. And then she, she roller skates in that. I can't even believe that she didn't tell me. This is how like yeah, beautiful you she is. Like, That's why I like referenced it earlier. No, she didn't I thought, tell me. Because I figured it maybe came up when you did her hair because no. she had to tell you like. She didn't tell me about that. I mean, that's like what kind of like otherworldly like queen yeah, this person exactly. is. She's just like, oh yeah, whatever. Dude. I know. She's like, I got bigger stuff in the horizon. I know. You she's... don't need to know about my past. I'm like, God damn. I'm unsurprised. She's like the most languid, beautiful, like. <sighs> All right. Well, because of Savannah. It's how we know Zoe, who is also (laughs) equally (laughs) remarkable and special and incredible. They were roommates. Yep. And I did I tell you why I met that? I met Savannah at a garage sale and it's like, but it's like more than that even. Like she was selling this bike that like wasn't even hers and like I almost didn't go and like it was like a whole wild thing. And then I met Zoe and Zoe is so special and has several questions for you, so. Oh my God. I love that you're interviewing Ryan, which I already know about, obviously, and the whole idea of asking mutual people questions. That's great. I have, so I have a few potential questions. I'll add more if I think of them, but these just came off the top of my head. And then you can choose whichever you think are the most interesting or whichever Ryan wants to answer. Um, yeah, there's daughters. Um, so one of the questions, um, tips on how to survive a Saturn return. That'd be, that's a selfish question. That would be helpful for me. Oh my God. Another girl. question, so I know she's lived in a lot of places. 
if she had a friend visiting for 24 hours, which of those places would she most like to show them around and what would she do with them in 24 hours? And what else? I mean, this is one you can ask in the interview, like not from me, but from you if you get onto this topic. But, right, she worked in finance before she became a hairdresser. Where, do you, where does she think she would be now if she'd stuck on that path instead of doing what she's doing now? Not like where does she think career-wise, but how does she think her life would be different? I think that could be interesting to know. Does she ever see someone, just a random person or whoever, and really want to cut their hair? Not because it looks bad and they need a haircut, but because she thinks they would have fun hair to cut or she has a vision or something. I think that would be interesting. Um, oh, and I think this is a good one. Maybe this is the one to go with. What's the best thing she learned in the last year? And this could be deeper. It could be not deep at all. Wow. I really like them. So I just figured I'd play that and you can oh my God, I do love, all or I one love or them. whatever. I love them. Okay. I'm going to go with the last one uh, first is a uh, best thing I've learned in the last year is my entire life. I've, I've carried this like list invisible or otherwise written down maybe of like things that I have to fix about myself. Mm. It's like, these are the problems. These are the way my body doesn't work. In the last year, I have finally started to approach a place in the landscape of my psyche where I've kind of started like stepping into it and then I, and then I come back, but where I'm like, what if none of this needs to be fixed? This list is of my own design. No one actually gave, I wrote this list. No one else did. And it sounds again, so trite, but it's like, really like, oh, what if I'm, what if I'm good? Mm -hmm. What if I just get to just be a person that imperfection is kind of like part of my perfection? Do you see someone and ever are like, I want to Oh yeah, dude. (laughs) You know, what's funny. It's almost like, it must be like, if you're a tailor and you're really good at tailoring for form, for human form and Mm -hmm. being like, and like walking behind someone who has clunky pants on. And you're like, if I could just go in and like mm-hmm. put this like <laughs> semen right here, mm-hmm. that would be, per- they would be amazing. Mm-hmm. I do that constantly in a way that I can't control. It's actually subconscious. Uh-huh. It's like not even at the front of my mind. It's everywhere. Yeah. Like I'll see like a boy walking around with like a box in the back of his head. And uh-huh. I'm like, if I could just like knock into right there, then we get to see his nape and then yeah. it would be beautiful. Uh, yeah. All the time. Constantly. Clo- or Zoe. All the time. I'm sure if someone is good at anything, like when you're watching TV and you're an actor, yeah. like to be like, I just, I would do that or like. For sure. Yeah. Totally. It's like your language. You're mm-hmm. like, oh yeah. If I had stayed in finance. Okay. If I had stayed in finance. So my my CFO boss, his name was Paul Schifalitti. He was an Estee Lauder executive and he had been placed at Bumble and Bumble because Estee Lauder had just purchased Bumble and Bumble and had acquired them. And so he was coming in to like give them the backbone of a lauder company. And he told me, Ryan, you have so much promise. Mm-hmm. I am so excited about mm-hmm. your future. And he really wanted me to become a finance executive. If I had stayed on that track, I would probably be, I don't know if I'd be CFO because you have to be really good at math to be a CFO. And I am definitely not, or at least like accounting and I don't, but I would be probably executive level at like Mac. Mm, cool. And I'd probably be some kind of like somebody in between client and I would be dating some kind of like repressed Wall Street guy, mm-hmm. probably live in Tribeca, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. no children, mm-hmm. maybe like a, a majestic dog that doesn't shed. <laughs> Perfect highlights, no roots uh-huh. and uh, a round brush blowout every day. Wow. 
And sad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and sad, most importantly. <laughs> the other one was good, too, about, and you've lived in lots of places. Mm. Do you remember that one? Yep. Which one would I like to show someone around? Yeah, and what would you, what would you do with them? Zoe would probably be like thrilled to hear this, but Sydney was such a magical city. And I, when I was there, I was like going on castings. And so I got to go to every single corner of Sydney. If I wasn't, if I got to show someone around, I would be like, meet me in Sydney and let's like have breakfast at a cafe at like Bondi beach. And then we'll go on like the walk up the cliffs over Bondi. Then we can go down and like swim. Oh God, I'm going to mingle Sydney because I haven't been there in a long time. But like basically we would just ping pong around Sydney and have like long meals everywhere. Interludes of like rosé mixed with cappuccinos and... Oh my God, can we do that? We'll go to the opera house (laughs) and we'll like, absolutely, let's do it. That sounds like a dream. I loved Sydney. I got lost constantly when I was modeling and everyone helped me. Oh. Everyone would be like, oh no, that's like, you got to go get on this bus and da da da. I was like very, it felt like I was kind of in like a little Disneyland. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, I was there right before here, right before I came here and never left. And it was, I remember being like, wow, I really love that it's a city by a beach. And yeah. then I remember being like, I was trying to figure out visas and like if I could move there and how yes. that would work out. And then it was the pandemic. That's crazy, I babe. Home. I didn't know that. Yeah. But my thought was like, wow, too bad there's not a city in the States yeah. near a beach. Yeah. Which like, <laughs> it's, I guess it's this, but it's like, I couldn't live further from the beach where I ended up. But like, we talked about this, I think too. It's like, yeah. you just have to, it's LA. It's like the closest thing to it. So it's not Far off that I know we ended up here in like Sydney. Both of us. It's true, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Sydney just something about Sydney just feels so much more. It's like public transportation so much better. Obviously, it's very different than LA. You're not on a freeway. Yeah, it's and it it really is by the beach. Where like we are places in LA that are closer to the beach than where both of us live, but it's not. It's different. Give her some quick advice for sad in return. Oh my god, (laughs) dude! I was like, that's the funniest one because I I always joke. I mangled my Saturn return. Someone told me. I think I did too. <laughs> when you go. <laughs> but like, who the fuck? Who was good at Saturn return? I need to know. I think like, that's maybe the point. Let me talk. Exactly. Buckle up is maybe the yeah. best thing we can say. Oh, buckle up. <laughs> and we'll buckle be there up. for you. <laughs> Dude, buckle up. When I was going into mine, someone told me, oh, Ryan, like, be really careful at the beginning of this because whatever you do is going to get amplified back at you. So if you make decisions for yourself, it'll push you through it faster. And if you make decisions for others at this time and disregard yourself, it's going to slow time Mm. down and you're going to have to, it's going to take you a lot longer to get through this chapter and you're going to be in this hard time longer. And I did not follow, (sighs) I did not take heed but the whole point is like, you never know when you're not making decisions for yourself until after it's over and you can yeah. look back and be like, oh, but honestly, really and truly my, my new thing when people are like, oh, like, how do you make decisions? And I'm like, if it hurts my stomach, if a concept or a person or a situation makes my stomach clench, try not to do it mm. because to intellectualize things, I can like talk my way into anything. I can talk my way into dating the worst person in the world, Mm -hmm. taking a shitty job. You can intellectualize anything into making sense, like rationally. But your body, your stomach usually is trying to tell you, like, get the fuck out of here. Quit this job. 
break up with this person. And I didn't take that seriously until very recently. And I, mm. that's how I would have handled my Saturn return differently, at least. That makes so much sense. What is your favorite part of your life right now? My favorite part of my life right now is my partnership with Chris. Mm. I yeah. Love that. Yeah. Uh, so many like really earnest, bloody knuckled attempts. And this one actually has like, it's just blooming mm -hmm. and I'm not like forcing anything or trying to plead or convince or to myself or him. And it's just moving. It has its own, it has its own like rhythm. I love that. Yeah. Well, this is sort of connected to a question from Emma, who is <gasps> my friend and the owner of the shop that I work at. And Ryan did her hair. And so she says, okay, how do you know when to hold them or walk away? Basically, how do you differentiate between the feeling of an endeavor being difficult and legitimate and ultimately constructive and fruitful ways versus something being uncomfortable and hard because it is simply not meant for you? When do you hold them, fold them or walk away? Oh my God. It's interesting because she's, she's such so a special. wise woman and yeah. she's like, you can, I mean, just what I know about her life, like she's done all of those things. You know, I try to pay attention. Speaking of treating life as like a, a fairy tale quest or like a video game. If I'm the only thing fighting for something, if nothing has like mobilized to help me, like absolutely nothing. And I am like the only force mm -hmm. in something I'm only going to try for so long. It doesn't mean I'm not going to try, but I'm going to give a project like six months or I'm going to give a boy that I'm dating like two months. Mm -hmm. Like I've learned that it's really important to decide what the interval of time to try should be. And you're the only person that can say what that interval, how long it should actually be. But be real with yourself when you hit the end with a thing if you don't feel passion for it, that feels supported by anything else, mm -hmm. that's when you should walk away. Yeah. That makes so much sense. Like that's kind of what I was saying with fail fast. Cause it's just, you will never know if something is a success or not. If you don't define what the parameters of it are for you, if it's like an amorphous undefined thing, you have characters pop up in your lives, whether they're business partners, boyfriends, girlfriends, like trust your reaction to them. Trust your like gut reaction to people. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not your job to entertain everyone. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of times when people pop up as options for you, your body is telling you that this is not something you need to be investing in, but you ignore it. We all ignore it yeah. and keep going. And I, I really think it's like clear out all the like static clutter that we're dealing with all the time. Cause like we know, like yeah. our bodies fucking know if like, that's a good business partner, if that's a good partner whatever. And so it's about trying to find a way to like get the, clear all the like mental static out. Cause like you actually fucking know, you yeah. already know, you know, totally. but yeah, giving yourself an inter interval of time for trying, I think is a really great way to like structure that, give it a little more of a backbone. God, I have so many more questions. Also, I feel like that is sort of what this book women who run with the wolves is a lot about. Like trusting your intuition on something there there's one story that i read that i remember that's like you kind of know when the guy is bad but you ignore it because and then you just the more you do that the more painful that is yeah you know yeah 
Okay, these are just two questions from my friend Crystal, who does not know you, but uh-huh. I told I was doing this today, and they're yeah. really good. So yeah. we'll do this. <laughs> Which country or region has your favorite street style right now? Japan as a country. Yeah. Cool. I really want to go there. Mm-hmm. Have you been? I've never been. Can we go? Let's go together. Let's go to Japan. Stop in Sydney. Let's go to Japan. Um, <laughs> All I see is documentation of Japan, but I've never been. I always imagine myself being there. It's like Gulliver's Travels. I'm like this like 20 foot tall person walking. <laughs> I remember when I was modeling, sometimes I would be like sent on these like Japanese designer castings uh-huh. and they talk about laughing. It's like it was an accident that I was sent on these castings. I would walk in and it would be like this crew of Japanese people and they would look at me and just start like busting up laughing because I'm so huge. And then they would always still have me try stuff on for a comedy. Yeah. So like they'd be like, no, 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 come here. Like, let's put these clothes. And like, I remember they had me put like a jacket on that went up to my elbows and they just like were like rolling on the ground. Oh my God. That's so funny. <laughs> totally. But they have the best style. Yeah. This one is good too. What would you do with $10 million? And has your answer changed over time? I would want to buy uh, a house for myself and for my parents and for my siblings. And then I would want to invest a piece of that in like a responsible environmentally and socially uh, responsible funds if they exist. And then I would want to donate everything else to cool mutual aid orgs that had like non shady directors who would use them properly. And that's totally changed over time. I would have spent all of it on myself up until sort of recently. Mm. (laughs) And you'd have to like, that's the thing. So many like organizations, you have to really do a lot of research in that. Because, For sure. Which is a bummer part of things. But yeah. God. All right. I have literally about 10 billion more questions. So maybe you'll come back someday. Yeah. This I would so love fun. to. I would love to. Um, well, lastly, before I ask you the, the thing that we end with, is there anything that you want to recommend? It could be like book, m- movie, podcast, idea, like, concept, scent, literally anything. Wow. Okay. Actually, this is a great recommendation. Okay. Okay. I love to read. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of the people I love, love to read as well. But even if you don't love to read as an adult, I would really recommend if you can remember a book of your childhood that made you feel magical, like that made you experience magic in your head in, in whatever way, Find that book. Like a kid's book? Yeah. A teen book? It could be like a, it could be like when you're 16 or when you're six or whatever. I got mine. Like go find that, go buy that book and just like hang out with it. What's yours? Go read that book. Have you done this? Dude, I have been, my parents got rid of like a lot of the baby books in our house. And I went and I like picked out a bunch of my, like the ones that like hit me where like felt into my body Uh when I looked at them. There is a book of fairy tales that I have in my like waiting area of my haircut zone. And that's my favorite book. It's, it's, it's so fucking amazing. It's, it's a fairy tale book. And I think it's interesting because women who run with the wolves talks all about the importance of the archetype and the importance of like the structure where we we've like discounted fairy tales as being these like for children. Yeah. 
And really it's like, it's folklore that's like handed down and everything represents like human experience. Mm -hmm. I love fairy tales. I think we can like draw a lot of wisdom from them. And so that's my favorite one, but whatever your favorite book is from when you were a little person, go buy it and like sit, hang out with it and put it somewhere, even if you're not going to read it. Cause sometimes reading like children's literature, you're like, what is this? My attention span is like not interested, whatever, but put it in like a line of sight for you Mm. because I can feel it in my body. I feel magic and I think it helps me in my day. Mm. So I feel like you should do that. I feel like anyone, if it connects with you at all, like think about your, think about a magical book from your childhood and just buy it and put it somewhere in your house where you can see it. It's like your totem where you're like, totally. Wow. That's really cool. She says in this this book, I think she defines psychology as knowing the soul. And I think for me, I, I always say this about therapy. Like I have a I have a couple of friends who are therapists. Yeah. And I always love to ask them like how much of themselves they share and don't because I learn so much better yeah. through story. Yeah. Through, like that's how I think human beings have evolved like i can't really learn a lesson if you explain it to me i'll be yeah. like wait but how did you do that yeah you know? like i need that to yes learn it yes. and have you read the book star girl no it's i mean God, <gasps> we, we maybe need to do a whole hour on that but, uh, i read it in middle school but it's like about someone who i think goes to a high school and she's she's just different uh-huh and it made me be like I could be like that maybe. <gasps> Ooh, <laughs> yeah. totally. Yes. I'm going to I'm going to find Star Girl. I, I have it. it. I have it. I'll bring it to you. Oh my god. Yeah, amazing. Yeah. There's a sequel but I haven't I haven't read the sequel. All right. Well, the name of the show is Let It Out. So do you feel like you let out everything you need to? Is there something that you wish that I would have asked you that I didn't? Is there something that you know, you never get asked about that you want to share. I think you did such a wonderful job. This is truly, as I said, like one of your callings. I think a lot about like how we're just supposed to remember that like we are all that like mushroom that we laugh about that that we talk about that organism. I don't know, to just remember each other. And and truly we are all holding hands and we forget that all the time. But like, it's so helpful for me when I'm having like a really fucked up time in my life to remember that I'm like, truly connected to every single person every single person yeah and that like yeah i don't know so yeah i guess that's me letting it out but i just like believe in other people a lot and i'm so grateful that my job is just constantly reminding me i forget all the time and every like haircut reminds me and it's it's like huge yeah i mean that's that's so true that's like what i was saying when i'm when i was so depressed in new york and i would just go outside and be reminded of humanity yeah and and now it's like when I'm feeling, they they say that it's, there's this like Ansan Suchi quote where he says, "When you're feeling helpless, help someone." Yeah, and it it definitely speaks to to this, or even just like when I work at Emma's shop, like yes. knowing that I I. I, that's my best day because yeah. I'm going in somewhere. I know yeah. I'm good at it. Yeah. I know I'm like so happy I'm there. It's something yeah. I do well and I get to interact with so many people. And yeah. that is comforting because I I got to meet Ramdas before he died. And wow. he said this thing. I mean, I think he's like probably said this in books, but I remember him saying this at that thing. And I think about it all the time. It's like what you're saying, and it always makes me cry. Yeah. <laughs> but he just says, we're all walking each other home. 
Whoa. You know? And it's it's so simple. Yes, dude. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That's beautiful. I know. Absolutely. I, I think there it is. Yeah. And everything takes energy. It's like even what you were talking about, about feeling depleted at the end of the day, even though those interactions were all really good, or even if they like, even this, like, I love doing this, but like, and I'm sure you'll feel the same way. Like every time I do an interview, like I'm pretty tired after. Yes. It's a lot of like holding yes. space, which is what you do. Yep. And I think even though we are walking each other home, we are helping each other, we are being yeah. of service and that does feel good, but it also takes energy. So yeah. it's like, how do we figure out how to give that back to ourselves. And it sounds like you're figuring that out, how to turn that on yourself. And I think that's, maybe that's part two, what we discussed. Yeah, dude, totally. <laughs> like catch me in 20 years. I'll be like, okay guys, so I figured out some stuff. Yeah. Well, let's not, I mean, who knows what we'll be doing in 20 no, years. I know. We'll doing this, but we'll no. come back sooner than 20 Yeah, years. dude, I would love to. <laughs> well, okay. We end by letting out a deep breath. So inhale, okay. let it out. <sighs> <sighs> did it how do you feel I feel so good I feel so good so blessed by by all of this thank you okay that was part two of my talk with Ryan book your appointment if you haven't already you probably have you probably already told your friends I mean I better book mine because I've already gotten so many messages from my friends that they are booking appointments with Ryan after hearing this episode. So I got to make sure I can get in. I have some really good news for you. And that news is drum roll. Ryan's coming back next week. You'll hear more then, but just know we don't have to have an episode without her quite yet. She's going to be back. This is a first having a three-part episode. And you know what? It might not be the last because if she ever comes back again, I might also split it into three. Thank you so much for being here, for listening. Thank you, Ryan, for coming on the show, for coming back next week. If you liked this and you found something entertaining or useful, share it with a friend. It helps so much. And we have a Let It Out newsletter called the Let It Out Letter that I write and send out. And if you would like to read it. I would love to have you if you want to. The link is in the show notes and more about what I do and how I work with people all in the show notes. Honestly, it means so much that you're here, that you're listening. I'm so grateful. If you want to connect with me more and with Ryan, we're being earnest on Instagram. I'm at Katie Dalebout and Ryan is her name as well. And we'll put it in the link in the show notes, as we say, and let it out. This podcast has its own Instagram. It's at let it out with three T's. It's also me. And this podcast is edited by Brianna Bain. Thank you so much for listening. Bye-bye. <laughs>